Today's guest is Zach Tavkar. Zach had a near-death experience at the age of 14 during the midst of treatment for leukemia. And during his NDE experience, he encountered a deceased relative. Zach, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you giving me some of your time today. And welcome, bud. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I appreciate being on. All right. So, um, if you don't mind, let's start right when you were at 14 on the day that it happened. Can you tell us what happened? Absolutely. So, uh, it started, I was in the midst of, uh, I had just been diagnosed with leukemia about three months earlier and I had spent that three months in the hospital. So I had, uh, that day I was actually going in to get a back brace fitted because my uh, lumbar vertebrae, the spine, the vertebrae had collapsed from sitting in the hospital from the medications of the chemo and all the other drugs for those three months. So um, that morning I had gotten some blood work done, hadn't eaten anything. I was with my four-year-old brother at the time and my dad. And so we were just, it was about afternoon, maybe 11 o'clock and uh, went to get the back brace fitting at this, just a little outpatient center, just off a of random street. And so I was just kind of standing there and I started getting a little fuzzy and a little dizzy. And I had passed out before, maybe about a handful of times, um, just from like low blood counts during the, the original three-month treatment from all the, or the chemo and all that. And so I uh, started getting fuzzier. My dad and the, the technician were talking. He was a real nice guy. I actually kind of looked and reminds me a lot of you, Jeff, like your demeanor. Right. And uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. It was just weird. But uh so they were just chit-chatting and I just started getting fuzzier and fuzzier. And I'm just kind of holding on to some bars while the guy's taking dimensions to my chest and, you know, rib cage and all that. So we can make the molding and, uh, took about 30 minutes and just slowly kept getting fuzzier and fuzzier and, you know, getting that tunnel kind of vision once you start getting you know, low blood sugar and all that. So we started walking out of the, uh, the building and I just knew that I needed to get to my dad's truck. I just was just, getting my vision was just kind of coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in. And my dad was just trailing behind with my little brother talking to the technician. They were kind of joking and talking about music. And then I just kept moving, moving, moving. And so I got to my dad's truck and sat on the lip of the truck and just put my hands on my, on my knees. And I could feel the blackness just coming, coming, coming. And I looked at my dad and he was about 30 yards away and his eyes just kind of, you could see him just terrified. And I said, dad, I'm going to pass. And all of a sudden I went black. And then as soon as I, I don't know what happened, but as soon as I realized it, I was in a white tunnel. And, uh, when I got there, I just was just uh, enamored by the, I don't know. It was, I kind of, the only way to compare it is like it was a, it was like liquid, translucent, luminescent love um, moving around and through me. And, you know, you just, I just kind of got lost in that. And then I looked in front of me and I saw a black shadow figure uh, that looked like it was wearing a trench coat. And I couldn't picture anyone's face i couldn't see any face it was just a black shadow but i immediately felt that this was my grandpa who had died seven years earlier and so we just kind of i just kind of stared off and you i don't know if i was saying yards maybe 20 yards away from me and we just kind of i just kind of stared off at him 
And we had this like inaudible communication. And all I remember him saying was, everything is going to be okay. You're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. And while in the midst of that, having that simultaneous I don't even know that liquid love, that peace, that serenity moving through me and around me. And um, in that moment, it didn't really matter what, you know, we were communicating about. I knew there was more to it. I just couldn't, didn't have any recollection of it at the time. And uh, just kind of just was staring off while feeling this simultaneous penetration of, of love, of, of light of divinity. And um, so I don't know how long I was there. I just kind of just existed out in front of me. And then all of a sudden it just, I sucked back out. Like I was coming through a black tunnel and I started to hear Zach, Zach, wake up. Zach, are you okay? Zach, 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 are you okay? Zach, wake up, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept hearing Zach, wake up, Zach, where are you? And then I started hearing another voice. Is he okay? What happened? Um, do you want me to call somebody? And I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I was just totally numb. And my dad, uh, finally my body started, my nervous system started coming back online and I, and I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't move my body, but I could speak. And I said, I'm okay. I just can't move or open my eyes. And so I'm sure my dad, you know, who's, I, I can only feel as it's bad for him and my four-year-old brother. Like I look like I'm dying from all the chemo you know, and I, I'm a 10th of the person that I was. And, and then here I am passed out laying there. So the trauma that they went through, but uh, bless their hearts. But anyways, I uh, finally, my nervous system started coming back online and uh, was able to open my eyes, wake up and was fine. And I actually, I thought I had hit my head and my dad had actually caught me in the midst of the fall. So I don't know how he got 30 yards away to me in that fall time, but he caught me right before I hit the ground, he said. So, which is pretty uh, interesting in itself. But anyway, so we got back in the car and this was my dad. The person, the, the, the grandpa that I saw was my dad's dad. And uh, so we got back in the car and I was just, you know, in that moment, I'm 14. I'd never heard of a tunnel. I'd never really experienced any, I haven't experienced anything like that. And uh, just was trying to mull it over. So it lasted about a week, maybe two weeks. And I was just trying to figure it out. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to tell my dad. So I ended up just one day saying, hey, dad, you know, when I passed out, um, I ended up in a tunnel and I explained to him what I explained to you. And he started freaking out. You know, he kind of went from like, oh, my God, are you going to die? Like, is, is, it, is grandpa coming to like help you transition? I was like, no, he said everything was going to be OK, like that I was going to be all right. And uh and uh, so I told him about the trench coat and all that. And so, you know, two months passed and he just said, you know, I found this picture and, and it was my grandpa when he was younger, a little younger, about 50, because he died when he was 80. And it was him in the trench coat at the exact length that I'd seen. In the, so it was kind of validation that, yeah, I did have that experience rather than me trying to, you know, my 14 year old. 14 year old self trying to rationalize what had just happened and, and figuring it out. It was just validation that, yeah, you did. You had an experience and then you saw your grandpa and everything's going to be okay. And it is. And here I am. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
had you just had a chemo treatment that day or the day before or something? No. So I had the treatment that I had, I, what I had had was I had that day, I just had a, a random blood test um, because just to, te- to test, I had had a, a chemotherapy treatment about three days before. And just to make sure to see where my white blood, where my white blood count was, red blood count, all that to see um, if I needed to hide, wear a mask, you know, not go outside, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. So I was just, it was that I already had such low blood count. They had taken a lot out. And so I, I had passed out. And this was a common occurrence, I don't know, the whole three months previous when I was in a lot, doing a lot of chemo, ended up getting an infection, um, got a blood clot in the catheter that was sitting in my jugular and subclavian veins, um, you know, all types of stuff for that whole three months. So I was just sitting in a hospital bed for three months and just every time I'd stand up, sometimes I'd pass out. Wow. This is the first time I've ever heard any guest phrase it in the way you did as a liquid like white area. And that's amazing. Yeah, it was, there's no word I <laughs> explain. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was as if that which was outside of me was me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But so it would, it would move. It was almost like a, like a wind, like a, like a water, like we were the same um, density. We were the same vibration and it was moving through me as me and around me could you say it's like being underwater in a pool exactly like that except for the water is now moving through your skin and cells and you can feel it Mm. in your body that's how i experienced it Mm, that's amazing yeah so did you ever talk to your dad and say okay i passed out how how long was i out for I asked him and I was out for about three to five minutes, he said, but you know, in his panic, he just, he was like, I have no idea because all I could focus on was getting you back up. But I was about three to five minutes, which is pretty, you know, when you usually pass out, you're less than a minute. So Mm -hmm. it was was a little prolonged, but it felt like an eternity when you're just kind of staring off it. I don't know. You just feel like you're in endlessness. How long do you think you had the experience for? Yeah, no I don't know. It felt like it felt like a a, a glimpse and an eternity. It, that is that. Uh, I don't know how to explain that. It's um, what's the what's the closest association? I don't know. It just feels like it's a brief moment, but also you're existing in endlessness. Mm. So it's this paradox of time, mm. and instead of yeah, like I didn't. I, you know, you listen to a lot of other people talk about their NDEs and stuff. And I don't know if mine was an NDE because I never really was like pronounced dead. So we could have called an out of body, like a really close out of body or close near death. And, uh, um, you know, you hear people say, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to, I never really had that. Like I didn't, I didn't think that I, I had, there was no, um, awareness that it was my choice. If you know what I'm, if, if that makes sense, it was just that this was supposed to be. And it was just a brief visit, but in the moment, in the, in the, in the presence of it, it felt like a split second 
in 10,000 years. It's kind of like you took a brief step into eternity for a few minutes, experienced eternity, and then came back. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think you have to be clinically dead to have an experience. Um, right. Thus the name near-death experience. Right. From what I've learned from these podcasts, that the younger you are, the easier it is to have the experience. And probably when you when you come close to death, it's easier for you to pop out of your body. Uh, yes. Yeah. My first two times meditating when I was 19, I had out-of-body experiences as well, which almost cemented that experience even further for me. Really? In what way? Well, so my first experience was my very first time meditating, and I had read a book, and they just said, put a timer on for 15 minutes, sit relaxed, and then just count your breaths. And, and just as you breathe in, say in, out, out. And if something, if anything pops in your mind, just let it go. And so I did, and I was sitting in my parents' lazy boy when I was 19. And um, so I just started breathing and saying in, out, in, out, in, out. And randomly my breath without me doing anything started getting more rapid in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And then it started just naturally picking up even more just in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And, and then all of a sudden I breathed out really big. And then as I breathed in, I got as big as my house. And by this time, right, it was probably about five or seven minutes in, I want to say, the meditation, my body was completely numb. Like I had no more feeling or sensation of my hands or my, my, my body at all. I just felt like I had a nose or, you know, like all I could feel is the breath moving in my nose, not my nose. And I exhaled and I inhaled and I became my house. And I exhaled and I inhaled and I became the city of Reno. And then I exhaled and I became the state. And I exhaled and I inhaled and I became the earth. And then I exhaled and I inhaled and I became the galaxy. And it was almost like my consciousness kept expanding and then exhaled and I'd breathe in and I'd, and then all of a sudden I was sitting in the, in the center of what I felt was the universe, the multiverse. And I felt myself because I had just grown from this little pea sized thing as everything and nothing simultaneously. And and, uh, yeah, so that experience, I, oh, at the time I didn't, you know, put the pieces together, um, in the midst of that, but I was just kind of existing. And it was that same feeling of like, what of emptiness of weightlessness. It wasn't as, um, transcendental, if you will, in the sense that that feeling of liquid love wasn't moving through me. It was almost like that liquid love was an extension of me, whatever me was at that time. And then all, all of a sudden I heard this distant beeping like a thousand miles away. And I started, I was like, what is that noise? And then I go, Oh my God, I'm, I'm meditating. <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh, I'm in my, I'm in my parents, I'm in my house. And so all of, I started becoming more aware that the beeping was happening. And I, my consciousness started coming back down, down, and it was shrinking just like it did as it had expanded until I was sitting there in the lazy boy, once again, fully numb and I couldn't move my body. And the beeping finally ended, like, I don't know how many, two or three minutes later. And it took me another 10 minutes to actually feel my body, my nervous system come online. But after I had that experience, which was five years after the original near death experience, I was like, okay, 
this, this is really starting to tie together. And then the second experience was the same thing happened with my breathing. Um, I was breathing again, but I was laying down this time on my bed, was breathing, started happening with the breathing again. The body was numb. And all of a sudden, I popped out of my body, was looking at myself from the corner of my room, and I freaked out. And I, my, I went right back into my body and, again, took like 10 minutes for me to come out of that numbness. But those are my first two meditative experiences. So once I had those at 19, because I didn't know anything different, I was like, oh, she's... I hit my cord. I thought, well, there's something to that first experience that definitely mm-hmm. was was very valid and very real, and it just all tied together. Mm-hmm. Maybe it changed you somehow, where it's easier for you than the average person to pop out of your body now. I I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. do think because still in meditation, I when I consciously try to do anything, it never it never works out like I want to. But as soon as I'm able to let go fully. And just say, I'm just going to be, and I'm just going to feel my breath and, you know, in, out, in, out. Usually I have some of these um, channelings I've had and out of body stuff. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, right. I think that did have something to it. Uh, you just got something there. What's going on with the channelings? Um, so the first time I, the first channeling I had had um, was when I was, was 22 at the time, 24, excuse me. I just broken up with my ex and I was trying to find myself again. And my ex had introduced me to some of these uh, you know, different books, Life and Teaching, the Master of the Far East. And so these real transcendental, uh, deep wisdom books. So I started just delving into it, turned off the TV, got off social media, and was just meditating two or three times a day. And a friend of my dad's had contacted him because, or he reached out, her son had died. And, she, and he reached out to her and said, you know, hey, just wanted to check in and see how, um, I just wanted to see how you're doing. If you need anything from me, please let me please let me know. And they were friends from bands before. And so she actually had knew my story and asked if there were, if I had ever, or if I had ever had any out of body experiences, near death experiences, cause she was searching. And, uh, so my dad said, well, do you want to share that with her? And I was like, absolutely. So I started sharing, uh, the story that I was kind of telling you about earlier. And, and I was done with the story and typed this all out. And all of a sudden I felt like I needed to continue to write. And it was the strongest impulse I'd ever had in my entire life. And so I started typing and I couldn't, um, I'm not a fast typer. I'm very average, probably a slow typer. I was typing so fast. I, like I thought I was going to you know, break the keys. It was like, I was a piano prodigy and I could feel the love and the gratitude for this woman who I'd met one time in my life this overwhelming love, gratitude, um, appreciation, um, acceptance, just filling my body up. And so I, and so I wrote this letter and by the time I wrote it, it was pretty much telling this woman, like how grateful I was for her. And, or, you know, but I was, I was kind of writing that and I didn't really know why I was writing that. So anyways, I sent it off to her and the next, and I just put a little note at the bottom. Cause after I like, Every all the the message had come through. I just said, I just want you to, uh, you know, hope this helps. And so she emailed the next day and said, you know, that was so amazing. Do you mind if I share this with his friends and family? And I said, yes, but I, I just want to put a like a note there that uh, that second part of that message I feel like was your son speaking through me, and um, and 
I, you know, I don't want to weird you out or anything. I don't know if you're you know, afraid of that, but that was, that wasn't me talking to you. And she said, she replied and said, well, you know, I, I wanted to ask you if you felt there was any way that my son had, had spoken through you because last, last week I asked him to write me a letter telling me where he was and how he was doing. And so I was like, Whoa, I don't know. You know? So that was, that was one of my channelings that happened again with a friend of mine when he died two years ago and his mom had contacted me. And as soon as his mom, his mom reached out on Facebook and said, I just want to let you know that Corey's dead. And we found him dead in his, in his room and, and we were good friends in college. And as soon as that letter, as soon as I read that on Facebook, I was cooking my dinner and there was nothing but noise, his voice in my head. Hmm. And, and I was like, I, I was like, dude, I, you got to get out of my head. Like I, I got, I got to eat and stuff. I couldn't eat my meal. Like it was getting louder and louder. Like the volume was turning up in my head. And so I wrote him a letter, I wrote her a letter explaining like his feelings for her. And then the noise, as soon as I wrote this long, long letter about, you know, for her, she said, Oh my God, that is perfect. Like that is exactly what I needed. That's what I was asking for. Do you have anything for his brother? So as soon as she asked me about his brother, who I also know, the noise turned right back on and wrote him a letter. And it was, but, and then as soon as I wrote that letter, it was turned off, but I don't do it consciously. It's just like something that now happens when I guess I'm a good candidate for their message to come through. Wow. Yeah. Those are amazing. Yeah. Those are similar. Yeah. That was, those may be the best channeling stories I've ever heard. I mean, those are awesome. <laughs> They, they were very weird when I first, like in meditation, I've seen my grandma and grandpa and stuff like that, or grandma, my uncle, my mom's favorite brother. And my, hopefully she doesn't watch this and share this because then she'll, and her other brother. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, she will watch this. But, and then my grandma, who was, I was very close with, who was a very spirit, my dad's mom, who's very spiritual. And they've come to me and given me messages and meditation from my parents and so it's just, I don't know, just sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. It's just when people seem to need it and I can be like a good like vessel, I guess it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like yeah. a good conduit or something. Con- yeah, a good conduit at the times that the people that I know and that trust me and care about yeah. get the messages. Yeah. yeah, I think it's amazing. Do you think that this near-death experience spiritually transformed you in any way? I mean, obviously, it seems like it's transformed you as for out-of-body experiences and channelings, but any other way that you can say spiritually it changed you? I think it was the, the introduction. Um, it gave me my, like, one of my first answers. So when I was sick the first time, I, I was diagnosed with leukemia at 14, um, went into remission in 15 from age of 15 to 16. I kind of had a normal life. I was in maintenance therapy, which is just like once a month chemos, um, and just daily pills. So I could go back to school, live a normal life. I relapsed when I was 16 and this happened when I was 14. And I, and I, this, I feel like was the introduction to one of the answers to my questions, because when I was 14, the hospital was Oakland Children's Hospital. It was building, they were building a fifth floor for just, they, they were building a whole wing for just um, um, chemotherapy, pay, you know, cancer patients. And so at the time, that first, at that first year, I was pretty isolated. You know, the rooms were isolated. You had to stay in your room and your blood counts were low. And obviously I wasn't there the whole time, but I would spend a month to a few weeks, especially that first three months I was in that hospital that whole time. 
And uh, so I felt pretty isolated, but that experience almost gave me an answer. Like there's, you're going to be okay, but there's more, there's more, there's more answers that you have no access to at this time that are waiting for you. Hmm. And, and then the second time I got sick, I started asking because at first it was, why am I suffering? Right. Why am I suffering? Why is my family suffering? That was my first two years. When I relapsed at 16, they had opened that fifth floor. And so now I was seeing two-year-olds and three-year-olds and six-year-olds and 10-year-olds with cancer and dying. And I was seeing their family members and their, you know, their parents, their siblings, their aunts, their uncles, their grandparents, their friends. I was seeing all of that suffering. And I think there was like a, there was something that opened in my, I don't know, my consciousness, if you will, from that near-death experience that made me question the reality of like the nature of suffering, because then I was witnessing it. And I thought I had this experience and I know that there's more. And I know that there's this, this um, space of, of liquid love, right. Of liquid um, appreciation of peace, you know, of this eternal peace. And I was like, if I can have that from there, um, why do I, why are we, why is so much bad happening here? And I think um, as a result of that second experience, because then I ended up having a bone marrow transplant, interacted with so many more um, kids, parents, you know, everyone, even the nurses, the doctors, everyone. And I had a bit more um, awareness at the time being 16 that it really made me, I think those, those that deep questioning was the catalyst that had been that, that pushed me forward to really delve deep into that that first near death experience and the, and to seek the answers. How do how do I bring that here? How do I recognize that that's always there with me? After experiencing all this, what is your opinion on why are we suffering so much here? Oh what is gosh. the point of it? My personal experience now. And my and based off of all these these experience, my personal opinion now after all these experiences would be, it's all part of the play. And the suffering, um, a story wouldn't be so fun if we didn't have that contrast. Mm. We don't go to watch a movie where people are just making money and having <laughs> making money and having. <laughs> <laughs> making money and have you know, we go to the movie to want to go through this emotional roller coaster. I want this person to succeed. Oh, and then something happens, and then they come out of the pits of despair, and then they gain this lover. Oh, and this lover, and then break apart, and then it's this game. And these experiences, especially like with the communication with the channelings and all that, helped me really understand that. Every single person, when they leave, was so grateful for every single experience, bad, good, indifferent, because it helped them understand their life better, right? It helped them grow on a spiritual level. It helped them return to the source with more wisdom, with more knowledge, return everything to the source, right? And so they were returning with more wisdom, with, with, with more, more knowledge gained. And uh, so I think 
my opinion would be the suffering is the catalyst to to growing. You're never going to ask for riches if you're not impoverished. You know, you're never going to ask for health if you never get sick. Never going to ask for a relationship, you know, connection with another human being if you're all if you're never alone. You know, if you're always with people. So it's that that suffering is is that contrast to deeper desire for for growth, for expansion, for spiritual expansion yeah i think that was amazing the way you put it i think that was great thanks yeah that's I'm, just me regurgitating a crap load of stuff <laughs> oh well however it was fantastic and you Ooh, know thanks. i think that some of my guests will say that we to take it to the next level that we choose all these sufferings before we even get here we know what we're gonna go through do you think yeah. that's true um, so doing the hypnosis now and the quantum healing hypnosis, which is interesting, I, that's a big question for me because I've always battled with that. Like I always felt that even when I was young, I always felt that, that I chose this, but I was like, why the hell did I choose this kind of suffering? Like seven years of suffering from the time I was 14 to finally when I was 21 and the doctor said, you can throw away your pills. Why would I choose that kind of suffering? And, uh, but I did know like there was something about it for me that was like, no, you, you did this because you're an obstinate little shit and you, you do, you want to create, you know, you want to overcome, you want to make your story um, adventurous. And so doing the hypnosis on people um, when they're speaking with their higher self and their subconscious, asking them those questions for themselves, you know, everyone always asks, why am I suffering? Why do I have this suffering? Why do I have this relationship? And it, and it is because some, we have an idea Rather than we have this outright, you're choosing this and this is how it's going to be. We choose our parents. Our parents choose us and we all decide how we're going to interrelate. You know, how are you going to, okay, you're the part, you're the, the parent. I'll be the son. you be the brother. you be the sister. you be the whatever. And, and then after that, you may have this idea or two um, about what's, you know, what could occur. Like I, in hypnosis, asking myself when I did, when somebody did it on me, that was one of my questions. Did I know that I was going to get cancer for sure? And my higher self's response was there was a high possibility, but there was also a way out. And if Zach had learned the lesson soon enough, he could have prevented that. There was a high possibility though, because if he was getting off his path, this was going to redirect him onto the path that he had intended coming in. And that really resonated because I felt that, but didn't really want to accept that at times. But when I did accept it, it kind of set me free because it's like, well, I'm no longer the victim of my experience. I am now the victor and this is what I've chosen. And I do have the opportunity to choose differently going forward hmm. and, uh, you know, healing this or being different in a relationship or whatever I want. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's interesting. So what yeah. is the, what is the path now that you, that you're supposed to be on my my path that i'm supposed to be on is to find that space within myself that is that divinity that i experienced in the nde so it's it's finding that um and once found which i feel like at times i do have sharing that and lighting having my candle lit and lighting the other candles of those as many other candles as I can, because it doesn't diminish my candles light by lighting others. So that's my purpose is to share these kind of stories, um, share my experiences and hopefully help others um, 
come to that place of peace and understanding and love of each other and of themselves. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to ask you a, maybe a crazy question here, but I like crazy questions. All right. So why would you want to be helping people remember where they're from and, or whatever you were just saying, you know, remember that their existence if they're mm-hmm. supposed to be here and suffering mm-hmm. as part of the game? Because you're playing the game knowing the rules now. So I, like in knowing this, it doesn't diminish the fact that I still get annoyed at my clients when they're constantly talking about politics, which are very superficial at times. It doesn't hinder the fact that I still get frustrated driving my car and get a little road ragey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't diminish the fact that I still am afraid and fearful of times. But what it does mean is that I get to play the game with the awareness that this fear means something mm-hmm. and that beyond this fear is more. Mm-hmm. And that I have, any, I have every moment I can tap into that at any, at any moment in time. So I still get to play the game I'm just not playing it with blinders on now. I get to, I get to experience it freely, openly mm-hmm. and, and have that contrast. Like let's say six months ago, I, uh, I thought I had relapsed. I started getting really sick in, in June, um, weak, tired, fatigued, uh, just all the symptoms that I had when I was 14 and when I was 16, when I was sick and I just freaked out freaked out. And I thought I had dealt with all that. It was actually right when I had almost, I'd finished writing the main, main component of my book, which was the, I was just telling my whole story. So I finished the story on Tuesday, Thursday, I started feeling like I was relapsing and I panicked and my wife was like, it's okay. I don't think you're, you know, like you're, you, you don't, you're not, I just, something's going on with your body. And I was thinking, okay, maybe it's some Ascension sickness, something like that, which you know, vibration, my body's changing. I'm having these symptoms, but it wasn't going away. Like things in the past had. So I was like, I need to go get a blood. I need to go get a blood, uh, a blood draw to test what's going on. Got a blood draw and had to wait two days. And that two days I was f- just freaked out, just scared to death. And even knowing all these things, I was trying to remind myself, it's okay, Zach. If something does happen, it's okay. You're still, everything's okay. But the, the you know, the, the, also this human part of me, wants to go, well, I want to spend more time with my wife. I want to spend more time with my parents, my brothers, my dog. I, you know, I, I want to give more. I want to experience more of this, of this reality. And um, so lo and behold, I, I got my results back. Everything was perfect. Everything was fine. I got in my car and started listening to Trevor Hall. If you want to, it's a great song. You can't rush your healing. And I started to cry like I hadn't cried since I was 16 years old. Just tears, just this fear, this overwhelming fear had filled me for a week. And finally, it was like this outlet. Did it get better even after I released that emotion? Absolutely not. It stayed the same. So I had to keep, (laughs) finally figured out that it was my testosterone levels were in the tank from all the radiation and chemo. And so I had to go on testosterone. But, you know, so that's, but it didn't. Even knowing all this stuff, it didn't hinder the fact that I was scared out of my mind. That's my biggest fear is to get sick again like that and have to go through all of that garbage again. Right. I so totally get that. 
Yeah. So it was just kind of like, even though I think I figured out and I used to tease my wife, like, Oh, I'm enlightened, blah, 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 blah. You know? And she's like, you know, jokingly, but I was like, you know, maybe I am pretty close to it. Maybe I'm getting it. Maybe I'm, I'm on the verge of that. And here's this test showing up. Like, are you as awakened as you think you are? Are you as free from fear of, of the, you know, of this experience as you think you are. And obviously the answer to that was no. And so that humbled the, humbled me beyond belief. Wow. It's a very amazing story. So I understand you were afraid of going through all that stuff again and and who wouldn't be. Yeah. But are you afraid of death? The death thing? I, I always question that, but it's like my conscious mind right now is going to say, no, because not only did I experience what it was like, but I also had to accept that going into my bone marrow transplant where they said, you have a 50-50 chance of living or dying. Got a 50-50 chance. So you have to accept that the possibility of death is, is imminent. And so I remember I used to, before that transplant, I had nothing to do. I wasn't going to school. I was, you know, I was just exercising all the time. And when I wasn't exercising, I would just look in the mirror and I would say, are you okay with dying? Like it was weird. I would just have these weird mirror conversations. And then one day I just looked and I was like, yes, like I'm, I'm okay with it. Like it's not the death part that it's, that's bad. It's not the, it's, it's the selfish leaving of this reality. It's the, it's the, it's the, you know, once that unexpected disappears, which is to me, it was literally like getting up out of a chair and sitting in a different one. It was as simple as that. Some people are, you know, have the different experiences, but for me personally, it was, I got up out of a chair and I sat in a different one. I was living and then I was there. It was, it was a blink of an eye. And so for me, that's not the scary part. It's just the selfish. Um, I want to experience more time with the people that I love mm-hmm. and I want to experience more, of the beauty that this, that this reality, that this world has to offer. But the death component is not a fear of mine. Right. And I wouldn't consider that selfish though. Yeah, that's true. That's why, that's why we're here. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's part of the ride. Yeah. So you had mentioned earlier about choosing who's going to be the parent, who's going to be the sibling. So do you believe in soul groups then? A hundred percent. 100%. 100%. And 100%. Have you confirmed that in hypnotherapy? Uh, 100%. And every client that I've dealt with that actually jumps into a different life without doubt. Like in my, I when I first got with my wife and we started dating and we started being intimate, I felt this weird, um, like she was the masculine, <laughs> you know, energy, but she's very <laughs> feminine. And I think of myself as, uh, I do think of myself as a, as a masculine presence. You know, I try to be balanced, but I do feel that I have that, you know, that masculine presence. And so when we were in the, you know, getting, being intimate, I was like, what in the heck is going on here? Like I felt like, you know, kind of like I should be the, I should open myself up and, you know, you know, like, you know, just very feminine flowing. And uh, so in my hypnosis session, I asked that and uh, they were like, Oh yeah, they've been together plenty of times in different male, female, but it was funny because the the past life that I jumped into in my own personal hypnosis under was her and I together, but she was the female and I was the male. But it was just kind of interesting that 
we've had all these different experiences and, you know, mothers being a husband, a father being a daughter, you know, it's, it's the relationships are just, it's so interesting when, when I start like listening to these people's stories and like, wow, okay, that's cool. How do you think people find each other? Like, okay, you and your wife have been together before, but how do you finally find each other? That's such a good question. I don't know. I don't know. That's, I think there's a vibrational, I, well, without a doubt, there's a vibrational signature that we all have, right? Law of attraction. And we have this vibrational frequency. You know, we know it when we walk into a room and somebody's a, you know, nasty, you can feel that like, Ooh, I don't want to talk. Or you can feel somebody come in with an open heart. You're like, Ooh, who's that person? Like they're lighting up the room. So uh, there's that vibrational signature. And I, and, and that's one thing that um, that's kind of talked about with the hip, when I, you know, hypnotizing people is, you agree to meet, you have meeting points and you kind of agree to meet at certain points. And based on those points, you'll either choose to stay together or you won't, which is kind of cool. Um, and I like that theory, but I think when, you know, when, in my personal opinion, when you're ready vibrationally, when you're ready in your heart, um, or when you're needing, um, that other person's vibration to kind of maybe help you at the time. Or if you're just perfect, like in a, in a, in a healthy relationship, you know, one plus one equals three. Mm. So you're whole, that other person's whole and together, you know, you come together and make that third whole relationship. But in, in regards to friendships in regards to, you know, all that stuff, I think that's just kind of a meeting point and you either choose where you are in, in your life to, to stay there or not. Like my wife and I were the same age, went to the same college you know, for four years and I never saw her. So how many times in life I always say like, well, when I die, I want to review my life and I want to look at all the times that we walked past each other on campus mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, see how many times we missed each other and we could have met at any time, but we decided to meet. And I think part of that also is, is uh, once we clarify our, our desires, once we clarify our asking, right? What do I clearly want? Because you'll get what you want. You know, we get what we want and we get maybe not always consciously, because we're so focused on something else, but we get what we're paying attention to. Hmm. And so if I know who I am and I know what I'm looking for, then that's going to show up to me when I get a blue car and I've never seen a blue car before 10,000 blue cars start showing up. Right. You know, I start seeing it. So it's just clarifying what we want, but most of us just don't clarify that. And we're kind of running off of what we've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen this, I've experienced this. So I'm going to manifest this again. Right. I think that's, that's a component as well. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had any one of your hypnotherapy colleagues hypnotize you through your near-death experience and see if you pick up anything else? Uh, that's funny that that showed up because that was one of my questions. And when I when I went back into when, when same session, but it's you know their long sessions are about out. Mine was about two and a half hours. Usually you're not supposed to go over an hour and a half, but I was I was fine underneath. And uh, so when they, that was one of my questions, did I actually see my grandpa because i knew like it was him i just needed validation and when i when the 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 hypnotist when she asked the question i got this clear image of my grandpa's face in my head um that it was him it was just at the time my conscious mind wasn't ready to receive that kind of input so when i like when i was under when i was out i actually had seen him clearly but then when I came back out, my conscious mind was trying to put the puzzle piece together, repixelate it. Mm. But it was very clear and he was young and uh, 
he was smiling. He was like 30 years old. He was smiling. And, uh, we talked about more than just that, that you, but that was the thing that I needed to remember at the time was you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything is all right. And so that was what I needed at the time. And then, um, when I was under the hypnosis, there wasn't much more that my higher self wanted to discuss. Like that would show up later, but it was, you know, I'm, I have a deeper purpose, a bigger purpose. So I can't, I, you know, I'm not supposed to leave and that this is just an experience to set me on the track for where I'm supposed to go. So do you feel like your cancer was more a wake up to get you back on track or just something that you needed to suffer through to help you use that experience further on in life? Both. Yes. Both. So I think it was, I think how I've rationalized it and what's come to me through meditation, through my heart is, is both. It was, it was to get me back on track and remind me of who I am, but it was also to remind me, I didn't realize I had the ability to impact people like I did until the second time I got sick. Mm. And I became like Jim Carrey in, in the hospital wing and, you know, being the oldest there and making jokes and making the kids smile and, putting on a karaoke night and singing, uh, you know, faithfully or no, what was it? Open, open, open arms journey. And just, you know, and making everyone like, like I didn't realize I had that capability until that whole experience, you know, like seeing, Oh, I could dress up in a, I have pictures of me dressing up in a pink Cinderella dress for one of the little girls. And she was feeling so sick, but she came out of her room and she was laughing. And she, so I didn't, you know, it was, it was a reminder to me like, Hey, you got more, you have more to offer than just you know, the, what you think you have to offer. And so it was kind of reawakening those gifts, I feel like. And then also teaching me that, you know, that life, life, you know, suffering, suffering happens, you know, and that's part of the ride. And without that ride, I wouldn't be able to see the beauty in feeling healthy and happy and, you know, spending those little moments with my wife and my parents and my dog and, you know, friends and things like that, like really being grateful for, for those moments and those little things mm -hmm. so that my, my experience can be more expansive and more fulfilling. Mm. And then hopefully remind others that, that that's possible too for them. It's just mm -hmm. usually light, you know, words. I like the, the Abraham Hicks says words don't teach only life experience teaches. And you know, it's, I, it's true. Watching the roller coaster is one thing. Getting on the roller coaster is another thing. Yeah. You know, talking about the roller coaster, that's a totally different thing. You know, I'm not even, but getting on that roller coaster and hitting that drop and hitting the corkscrew and flippity do and up and down and fast and speed. And, uh, you know, yeah. And then it's done. All right, Zach, I'm going to switch gears on you here. Cool. Um, do you have a website? I do have a website. It's my name. It's www.zachtavkar, Z-A-C-H-T-A-V-C-A-R.com. All right. Uh, yeah. um, well, you're working on a book. I'm working on a book. Uh, any it's been in the works for a long any, um, any idea when you're going to finish it? My goal is to edit it and have it finished by this. It was to have it finished by my birthday, but then all that stuff happened with my health, and that just kind of threw me for a tailwind. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm in the groove and I'm back on track, I'm really hoping that it's going to be by the end of this year and have it edited and self-published or maybe send it to a publisher and see if they'll pick up on it. Cool. Yeah. Maybe it just gave you another chapter for your book. 
Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Like, I, I, I think you're right. That's I need to add that this whole last six months. Yeah. All right. Are you working on any other projects right now that you want us to know about? Oh, I wish I was. You know, I wish I had something fun to share. You know, these podcasts usually somebody has something good to share, but no, just just the book. That's it. Just the project is is living gratefully and mm-hmm. living living as freely as I can. All right. Is there anything else I can plug for you? I mean, uh, on your website, what are you doing on your website? Why would why would somebody go there? Well, you, it's it's dedicated to my nine to five job, which is a personal trainer, exercise physiologist, and life coaching. But I do the all I do the hypnosis sessions, so that's on my website explaining you know what they entail, how long they are, et cetera, et cetera. Those are kind of fun. I can do those. Mm-hmm. online as well as in person. Can you really do that like through Zoom? Can you really get someone mm-hmm. to, to relax enough where they can go through it? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty cool little technique. It was developed by Dolores Cannon, uh mm-hmm. who was a uh, she's written books on, you know, it, you should definitely check her out like uh, UFOs and stuff, but mm-hmm. she started in the 60s with her husband who was a military guy. And she just developed this technique and she used it for the last you know, 50 years until she died. Now her daughter, Julia Cannon, mm-hmm. um, takes over. And, uh, but yeah, they do. It's, it's, the technique is great and it's, it allows people to, that's supposed to be done in, in person. I also have a beyond quantum healing, which you can do online, but it's, it's, it's a similar uh, technique. And, uh, yeah, I've done it a few times, quite a few times on people and a lot of practitioners, they just do it, um, completely online they don't do anything in person anymore and, and you know usually when you, you just need a place that you can be relaxed and it's quiet and as long as you can imagine mm-hmm. a yellow sun and allow yourself to breathe you can be hypnotized cool here's an interesting synchronicity is it is the abbreviations for what you do qhht that is exactly what i do okay so this is true story today uh i answer a lot of my comments in the podcast and someone told this guest hey you should get qhht and so i just kind of said hey what's qhht yep that's exactly what i do and that's what was done to me and Mm -hmm. uh qhht is done um in person so bqh which is beyond quantum healing it's a practitioner who 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 had done qhht for years kim straw goldman and she decided to uh to branch out um, and be able to, you know, facilitate online, um, sessions as well. So yeah, they're very fun. They're very cool. They get a lot of answers and they're designed really, you know, they're designed to answer any questions you want, speak with your higher self, have past life regressions, whatever happens, happens. What is the most impactful or the most amazing thing that you've ever witnessed during a hypnotherapy session that even just like blew you away? The healing is always the most, for me, that's always the most, uh, uh, transformative because you know, somebody will have knee problems mm-hmm. and, and, uh, like I'll use an example. That's one, but, uh, but someone's body, you know, they'll get there. You're already completely still. And then I'll say, you know, well, so-and-so Jeff has knee problems. What's going on with Jeff's knee. And the, and the person will respond, we're looking into it. Mm-hmm. So they'll look into their knee and they say, the, and I say, well, can you, f- can you fix that? And they say, yes, we're working on the cartilage right now and then i'll say well what is uh like what's the cause of that and one particular example was she, her knee is constantly in over it over it hyperextends because she's always overextending herself in her relationships 
And, and I was like, oh, and I said, so what is the solution? What would your suggestion be for the solution to Sons, to, to Janice? I said, well, Janice needs to recognize that she can't keep overextending herself in these relationships and this problem will be relieved. And I've also seen people's like inflammation completely removed out of people's bodies. I watched a friend of mine, uh, her eyes were twitching just this whole time. And I said, well, what are you, what are you doing on them? And they said, we're rewiring her brain because she has brain damage from drinking too much or uh, yada, 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 and uh, all types of stuff. Some people have said, like Dolores Cannon said, she's seen cancer regenerate or uh, healed, um, all types of stuff. But, you know, as soon as I, the person comes out, I say, well, how does your, your knee feel? Or how does your this feel? Or how does your that feel? How do your eyes feel? And I say, um, I didn't even... I didn't even realize I feel fine. Like I say, feel great. I, wow, that's incredible. You know? So it's, it's, it's really transformative for that, like healing component. Mm -hmm. And then just the fun part about, you know, past lives and stuff and seeing the relationship between people's past circumstances and their current lives and how they continue that cycle until they repair it within themselves. You know, they know what they need to do, but getting that guidance from yourself, from a third person perspective, like I would say, well, what is, what, what, what should Jeff be doing? And you would say, well, we suggest Jeff does da, 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 da. So it's kind of, you know, it's fascinating having this, your own voice speaking about you in third person. And it's just very transformative and very fun to, to be a part of. Yeah. It does sound fun. Why do they, yeah. Why is it that they're speaking? We, uh, sometimes it's, um, I, sometimes it's we, usually it's a collective. So the subconscious is not, um, individual identity. It's oftentimes a collective um, you know, you, they, res they, they recognize themselves, um, not as separate, but as we, so it would be like your higher self, your subconscious speaking about you, but resonating, uh, resonating with the, 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 the entire ether, right. The entire source consciousness, but speaking as an extension of that source consciousness for you, you know, your individual guide, your higher self, your whatever angel, whatever. Hmm. Have, yes. you, have you ever followed up with any of these people who've had healing and seen and, you know, said, Hey, are you still okay? Yes. <laughs> like, is your symptoms still resolved? Excuse me. And if, and if I'm totally honest, um, after about six weeks, if the person has not, and I don't know why six weeks is the mark because usually I'm just following up with them every four to six weeks by about the six week mark, six to eight weeks, if they have not, taken the suggestions that were given to them by their higher self, usually the symptoms return. Mm. So they're good for like six to eight weeks, but they just fall back into their patterns of mm. vibration. Right. Interesting. And, and so their body, because usually with the higher self, the subconscious will say is our last resort to get your attention is through physical pain. Mm. So we're trying to give you messages, but you're not listening. And so our last, very last resort as a representation of what's happening internally, you know, the pain, you know, the emotional pain and not being able to do this, not changing, whatever your, whatever your problem is, is, is our last resort to get your attention is physical pain or an illness. Right. And the way to heal that illness is by dealing with whatever that emotional pain or psychological pain or, or, or you know, irritation is. Mm -hmm. And they give them suggestions on what to do. But if people don't follow the suggestions and take them into account, the pain comes back or the whatever illness comes back. 
Do you ever find that when you have someone under therapy and they have a certain problem now and then you discovered, okay, in a past life, this happened to you. And so that's why you're still experiencing the pain now. And once they realize what happened to them in the previous life, finishes it for them and then they don't have the problem anymore. I had a few of those, one or two. Traditionally, and I'll, I'll share it with you, but traditionally it's it's the uh, individual life. Like this current life is what is creating those um, manifestations in the body. Like uh, Brian Weiss is the, he read, he did many lives, many masters. Mm-hmm. His whole book is about a woman who did many lifetimes, you know, had many lifetimes of, she got killed in the, you know, she was drowned. And so she's afraid of water now. Or, mm-hmm. But traditionally it's this life is creating all the manifestations of their current issues. But I did have one person um, early when I was doing this and she was, uh, she was claustrophobic. And so we had gotten to the point uh, we I'd moved her forward because I can, you know, I, I you know, say, let's move forward into a different experience. And so all of a sudden her body froze and she was kind of, she wasn't as deep as I wanted her to be, but she was deep enough to where she was having an experience. So she froze all of a sudden and went really deep. And then orbs started floating around her body and she just went, I smell blood. Mm. And I said, Oh, well, let's, and so, I went, okay. And so we went with it, went with it. Uh, and then she's like, I'm trapped underneath. I, I can't move. I'm, I'm suffocating. And, and I said, well, you know, let's move away. You know, so I'm kind of guiding her and come to find out she was in world war two. She was in world war one. She was in a trench and a bomb had gone off and she was being suffocated to death by the other um, soldiers, her friends who had died and they were just laying on top of her. And, and so it was, you know, we thought, I thought, wow, that's incredible. But three days later, she actually emailed me and she said, Hey Zach, were you wearing old spice? Hmm. Uh, and I was like, no, I don't wear old spice. I wear hmm. like a, you know, like a baking soda deodorant. And she goes, she goes, Oh, because I just cannot get the smell of old spice out of my nose. And I said, well, maybe there's something to that. Let's say, you know, maybe something will pop up. So two days later, she sent me a little clip from like World War One or World War Two, and it was a Old Spice commercial. And it says Old Spice, no soldier leaves home without it. Mm. And so it was like her getting this validation that, oh yeah, this was your experience, and this is relating to the the claustrophobia that you're feeling and that you're experiencing. And she also had experiences in this life with that, but that was like it seemed to be the overwhelming experience that led to her current claustrophobia. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty, and those are those are those are there's been a few other ones, but they're much more related to their current life situation and the manifestations that arise out of that than the other ones. Yeah, when you're under hypnotherapy, let's just say if you were a person, how does a person mm-hmm. who's receiving the treatment do they do they ever feel like am I just imagining this or this is real? Do they have those questions going through their mind? And Absolutely. You, and, and what do you tell them when they say that to you, if they do? I tell them to just keep going with the storyline. Or I, I tell them to just keep explaining to me. Because it really what it is, is it's, in my experience, is a deep, deep meditation. It's mm-hmm. getting you into a theta brainwave frequency. So you have, your, um, you have your beta, your awake brainwave frequencies. You have your alpha, which is when you close your eyes for bed, you know, you're kind of, you're relaxing. Theta is this right before sleep, you know, you're in this space between awake and sleep. And then you have your uh, delta, your sleep state. And then your, I think gamma is the, the fifth one, which is like super deep. But the whole pra- process of this technique of meditation or of uh, hypnosis is to get you into that theta frequency. Uh, 
So to help you relax to the place where you're in that between dream and between awake state. And so oftentimes, like the very first person I did it was with my wife and we did it. And I asked her where, you know, what what she's seeing. And she said, ah, this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And Dolores Cannon would say, that's Mr. Stupid getting in the way. And so, so I'd say, okay, I say, okay. So we would, I tried to move her away, you know, relax her more. And this again was my very first time trying. So I'm like fresh out of the boat. I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm like, I don't know where to go from here. And, uh, and so finally I just had to take her out because it wasn't working. She was thinking too much. She's like, ah, this just doesn't make sense. I'm thinking of a table, but that was from earlier today and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, okay, let's come out. So I brought her out. I was like, let's try it again in a few hours. So we tried it again. And she explained to me, she goes, well, I saw something, but it didn't make any sense. So I said, well, okay, next time just go with it. You know, just tell me what you're seeing or what you're hearing or what you're sensing. And the imagery will clear up as you go. And it'll become a very clear storyline. And sure as could be, we went and did it again. And she, she saw this exact same thing. And she, she said, as soon as I started explaining it, things, the picture became very real. And it was almost like she delved deeper into the experience um, and she was seeing it, you know, all of a sudden this meal that she had before her wasn't that meal. It was a different meal and her boots were just subtly different. So things will change like that if somebody's not relaxed enough. But when you have an experienced practitioner, now that I have that, you know, now that I can at least do that people will, will jump right in. And sometimes it doesn't make sense, but they're like, they'll say, I don't know. I don't really know what this means. And I'll say, don't worry about it. Just tell me what you're seeing. And the more you talk about it, the more you're moving into that right side of your brain. So the imagery center versus the rational thinking mind, the left side. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, very few people now say that they have a hard time going there. It's just, they're super relaxed. They're in that theta frequency and the imagery using the imagery will just help them get into the right side. And they're, off on a journey. Mm, wow. All right. So we're running out of time, but before okay. we go, do you have one last message you can share with the audience? Oh my gosh. One last message. Oh my gosh. My message would always be that enjoy the ride. Like everything's going to be okay. It always is okay. It always works out. And to accept, you know, to accept the suffering for what it is, but to, you know, remember that you are beyond the suffering. The suffering is just the attachment to the moment. And so when you step back and you recognize, oh, I'm, I'm emptiness, right? I'm stillness. I'm the sky observing the clouds. The suffering is the clouds and it's going to pass through the sky. And just to continually remember you are the sky. You are the eternal. You are the, you are source. Mm. That would be my... I think it's great. And I forgot one last thing before we go is you have a YouTube channel. I um, do have a YouTube channel. I don't know why I forgot that, but um, what is your YouTube channel so people can check it out? My YouTube channel. Oh my gosh. I don't know what my YouTube channel is. I think it's Warrior ZT. I started that so long ago. Or it's my name, Warrior ZT. I don't know. Maybe we can hyperlink it in the the comments. I'll put it in the description. I don't know the, I don't actually know the, the name, but it's just me kind of talking about these things and my experiences and um, hypnosis sessions or things that kind of, I feel like are going on in the world and just my take on a, from a, trying to be a spiritual perspective on the take. Hmm. What's happening. All right, Zach. Well, 
thank, thank you, you jeff hey thank you man you are a great guest i really appreciate, appreciate you and um i wish you massive success for you when you finish that book and thank you every anything else you have going on thank you same to you my friend i appreciate this maybe uh, we can do it again sometime yeah definitely when you get your book out you'll come back and we'll and yeah. we'll um and we'll talk about your book that'd be awesome all right all right, Jeff. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.